Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello and welcome to episode 51 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. Michaela, we are right in the midst of musical month. We've been singing, we've been dancing, we've been uh, doing some uh, doing some tap routines, all sorts of stuff. But what have you been watching and drinking? Anything exciting? I have uh, been really into a bunch of series lately. So anyone who knows me knows that I love Montana. Season four of Yellowstone is out. It has mm-hmm. just started. I think they're doing weekly drops, which bothers me, but, uh, cause I want to binge it all in an evening. And so I haven't been able to do that, but it has started, um, anybody who's on the fence about Yellowstone, it is not for kids, but it is wonderful. It's, and the shots of where it's filmed is just gorgeous. Um, I finished the super spooky, very creepy midnight mass, which was, um, from the same company that did, the Haunting at Bly Manor and Haunting of Hill House or the Haunted Hill House, which was a couple of years ago. I love that they have like a series every Halloween that you can get into that's very short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, finished that, loved that. What about you? What are you into this week? Yeah, so I've been uh, trying to catch up on some of the movies that we you know, got behind on there. So I watched uh, No Time to Die. That's available to rent now on your uh, streaming platform. So I rented that and watched that. Have my parents in town, so that was a good one there. Uh, checked into that um saw you know daniel craig wrap up his run as bond which was uh pretty excellent i think you know looking back some some high spots some low spots but you know that's to be expected for your james bond films uh watched jungle cruise last night uh which i have to say was a lot better than uh you know it should have been i think so uh yeah. you know pretty pretty good it was it was a it was a fun one uh, lots of good dad jokes in there, just like the ride, if you're familiar with that. So, uh, check that one out. If you have Disney plus, I'd recommend, you know, looking into that one. And, you know, other than that, it's been getting into some Christmas beers. We've got great lakes. Christmas ale is out now. So I've had a, Ooh. you know, a couple, a couple of those it's, it's still a little early to be into Christmas beers, but that's how the beer cycle runs these days. You have to stay ahead of the curve, I guess. So yeah, just do doing that. Yeah. Pretty much with anything, I think these days you have to stick ahead of the curve, right? So people are already Christmas shopping. I was in my neighborhood for a walk yesterday evening and people are already putting up Christmas lights, uh, myself included. It's just kind of uh, happening a lot sooner, I think, than we are all anticipating, which is weird because we still have Thanksgiving, uh, an American holiday. Uh, that That's still very much uh, something that's happening. But it, it's I think the world is just really trying to get into some sort of holiday spirit and do it sooner rather than later. It's been a really rough 18 months for, for so many. So, um, yeah. And, you know, I'm so excited because there's so many good things that are coming out. I don't know if you know, uh, the Hallmark channel, right. Always Mm. starts Christmas. Like, I don't know, four months ago, they started showing all of their Christmas (laughs) shows. However, Netflix and Amazon have started to push their Christmas stuff out. Um, so there's like a Christmas inheritance movie that my husband tagged for me to watch. Uh, and I'm going to wait until uh, after Thanksgiving. But the minute I'm done with that pumpkin pie, I'm diving in, going for it. Because I'm sure there's a lumberjack and like some, you know, Christmas tinsel and star-crossed loverness. I'm very excited. It's all yeah. going to work out in the end. I can't it- wait. It will all work out in the end, but you're going to have to put your Hallmark Christmas movies aside for right now, Michaela, because you and I, we're stuck in the middle of a turf war. And, you know, the only way to get out of a turf war, really, is to make a couple of cocktails. You know, we'll, we'll do up two. We'll do one for one gang, the Jets. We'll do one for the other gang, the Sharks. And we'll see, you know, if we can iron out some sort of a peace treaty. It does seem that the best way to break down barriers and, you know, solve some of these uh, turf war problems is to have a drink and maybe open dialogue, perhaps. So I'm with you. I don't know which one's going to win, though. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to mix them up and see. So why don't we take a quick break? We will make up those cocktails and we'll be right back to chat about it. This week's recipe comes from the website Roger Rocca's Dinner Theater. 
which is really yeah. kind of cool. It's uh, it's a p- whole page dedicated to all sorts of cocktails just around West Side Story, which is really neat. Yeah, it is. It is pretty cool. Yeah, there's a whole list of them in there. Uh, you know, we were looking for recipes and cocktails to have for this week's film. And we thought, you know, West Side Story, it's a story of, you know, true love, forbidden love, uh, two gangs. So why not do a drink for each of the gangs? So we're going to do one for the Jets called Jet Juice, and we're going to do one for the Sharks called the Shark Bite. Now, why don't we start with the Jet Juice, Michaela, because that's who we meet first in the film. So why don't you run through that one for everyone? Sure. Now, it's worth saying that if you go to that website, uh, which we highly recommend, it's very cool. But if you go to it, it does not give you any amounts uh, in fluid ounces or or milliliters or otherwise. Right. So we kind of had to guess. Now, I will say that we are professional cocktail drinkers at this point. So Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. think we guessed correctly. So come along with me down this watermelon highway because jet juice is consisted of two ounces of watermelon vodka, two ounces of watermelon juice, a teaspoon of strawberry tirani or any sort of strawberry syrup that you can find. And mm-hmm. then a splash, really a splash. Don't do what I do, which is add four ounces, a splash of Sprite. Now, when we made this the first time, we thought maybe there could have been a little bit more vodka. So you can do two to three ounces of the watermelon vodka if you want. Um, we put this in a rocks glass with just some ice. We didn't use a shaker or anything. We just built it right in and we garnished it with a really pretty strawberry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, this one comes together very easily. Um, now the recipe on the uh, website or the ingredient list, I guess, on the website calls for strawberry torani, which we couldn't find. So Michaela found like a strawberry syrup just in like with the pancake syrup, the maple syrup, stuff like that. So a strawberry one. So we just took that and just thinned it out with just a touch of water just to help it kind of incorporate a little bit better. But you're really just looking for that kind of, you know, syrupy, sweet strawberry flavor, you know, something in there to kick it up a little notch. If you wanted to be super fancy, I guess you could probably try your hand at making your own like strawberry simple syrup, which I've done a couple of times and I've never been very happy with the results on. So, yeah. Yeah. And the Arizona watermelon juice, um, we had trouble finding that as well. So the key here really is to make sure that it is pure watermelon juice. So you can juice up your own watermelon if you want, if you're going to be all uh, homemade, that's cool. Um, but simply makes a beautiful, simply watermelon and that you can find at a grocery store. And that's what we ended up using. And this drink, I have to say, was amazing. It's super refreshing. It's super easy to make. I can't wait till next summer. I know that we we maybe picked the wrong time for to make this cocktail, but it was delicious. And it is going to go in my back pocket uh, for when the sun comes out and it gets warmer because it's real good. Yeah, it was uh, it was delicious. And like you said, very summery. Um, you know, it's a it's a summer cooler. So uh, definitely good to have poolside and it's very easy to whip up and make these. You can make like a big pitcher of them probably with the watermelon juice and the, yeah, uh, vodka fine. if you wanted to do that for a party or something like that. So that takes care of the Jets. What about the Sharks, the other gang uh, we're going to be talking about? So this one's more of a milkshake. It's kind of like a pina colada, basically a milkshake. But this one's going to be using some vanilla ice cream coconut rum, uh, some strawberries for a little bit of garnish, and just a splash of pineapple juice to, you know, thin out your milkshake a little bit and give it a little bit more tropical goodness. Uh, Michaela, why don't you run through kind of the amounts you used for this one? Sure. So for the vanilla ice cream, we used uh, Tillamook vanilla bean ice cream, and we used three scoops for three drinks because we were trying to mix up a batch. Um, We did a cup of coconut rum, We did um, about three to four ounces of pineapple juice and Mm. we loaded it up with some ice because we wanted to make sure it was nice and cold. Ran that through our mixer and then poured it into some long glasses with uh, the sugar coated strawberries uh, dipped in at the top and a straw. And I have to say, if you like coconut rum, this is going to be your jam. This was very coconutty. It was 
very pina colada-y, but not as sweet as I normally have a pina colada. So if you're Mm -hmm. not into super sweet, this is going to be great. Um, Of course, if you want it to be sweeter, I bet you could add just more ice cream or um, you could puree some strawberries instead of having them just be a garnish at the top if you wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am not a huge fan of coconut or pina coladas for that reason, because I don't really like coconut. Uh, But this recipe was pretty good. Like you said, it was kind of a little bit of an undersweetened pina colada, uh, which was good. I liked that. I like kind of the sweetness profile because pina coladas to me can get, you know, kind of a little bit too sweet, you know, any of those kind of blended, uh, you know, rum drinks. Uh, you could probably try this with other rums too, beyond the coconut rum. If you got like a passion fruit rum or uh, something like that, that would probably be extra delicious, I bet. Ooh, I'm going to have to make this with passion fruit rum. I think that's a great idea, B. Yeah, it is a great idea. And you know what else is a great idea it is making another recipe that we found on this website because we made these two and there was another one um, and it's uh, chocolatey and coffee and we made it and we talked about it earlier this week on the lobby bar. So if you want to find out about that one, go give that lobby bar episode a listen to because you'll definitely want to check that out. And we're always down for bonus cocktails. So yes. Yeah, that was really amazing. Um, definitely. If you've not yet listened to the lobby bar, uh, which you should every week to get all of your sure. cinemagraphic goodness, you should be listening to it. What's wrong with you if you're not? But if you haven't, you still have time to go back and get in on that turf four because that drink is really tasty as well. That's right. Well, now we have our cocktails made up for the Jets and our cocktail made up for the Sharks. So we better go and, you know, take a break and then we'll come back and drop in on these two gangs, see what they're up to and have a chat about this week's film, West Side Story. Spoiler warning for West Side Story. If you've not yet seen West Side Story, it's been around a really long time. So you should probably press pause, go watch it, make yourself up a turf war, a jet juice or a shark bite. Come back and we can chat about it. Yeah, that's right. So West Side Story has been around for a long time. The musical has been around even longer, but the film came out in 1961, uh, you know, so 60 years ago. This one was directed by two gentlemen, Jerome Robbins and Robert Wise, and it stars Natalie Wood, George Shakiris, and Richard Bamer. And Rita Moreno. And Rita Moreno. It, yeah, it starred a lot of people because it's a musical, right? So there's a there's a big cast. And Rita Moreno uh, won an Academy Award for her performance in this. And a lot of Academy Awards were won, Michaela. And we talked about Chicago last week, which won all of the Academy Awards. West Side Story also won all the Academy Awards. Yes, it did. And rightfully so, because it's uh, really a, a cinemagraphic work of art, uh, this film. The way mm-hmm. that... Um, it continues to still connect with audiences to this day. The music uh, is not singular to this film. Like you said, the musical has been around a lot longer than 1961. It's a very classic kind of star-crossed lover story. It very reminiscent of Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. uh, which has been around since the 1500s. So um, not, an, not, not a super off. Uh, original story but so beautifully done in so many ways mm-hmm. uh the for everything from the dancing the choreography the the way that they chose their characters the way that uh the script was written um there's so much about this film uh that's worth talking about so um yeah and it won so many things right it won best picture uh, mm-hmm. one best supporting actor for George Shikaris. Mm-hmm. One Rita Moreno, obviously, one best director, one for best color cinematography, one best set direction for color. Uh, it's interesting that in 1961 they had they had two distinctions, yeah, yeah, right, whether it yeah. was color or black and white. Color, color um, black and white, yeah. Uh, best costume design and color, uh, best sound, best film editing, best score. I mean, it won yeah. everything. It won, <laughs> so, yeah, it it won ten of the eleven. It was nominated for it. it the one that it lost was uh, best screenplay, uh, adapted screenplay. Uh, but this was kind of interesting because it had the two directors. So it had uh, Jerome Robbins and Robert Weiss. So this was, I think, one of only three times that the best director has been split between uh, two winners. Now, Jerome Robbins, I think, was uh, he was big in 
like the ballet scene for the New York ballet. And I think that he did the uh, choreography for the musical and then came on and did, you know, the choreography and helped writing uh, this film. Uh, So that's pretty interesting to, you know, have kind of the, you know, kind of the movie director and then the musical director kind of working. And this thing feels just like you're watching a musical like out in the street. Like if you went out into the street in New York and a musical broke out, that's what this feels like when you're watching it. Yeah. Very. It's interesting because now it's sort of a cliche, right? Where we talk about musicals and we're like, oh, I'm going to start talking and then I'm just going to break into song. But that is exactly what happens in this film. And which is different uh, in other films is that it doesn't feel weird or cliched or uh, out of place at all. It Mm -hmm. really flows so nicely. So you don't even realize that you're in the middle of a musical really uh, until halfway through it you know, at, at yeah. the intermission, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, they that's... actually have in this film. They didn't have those, you know, they don't have those now. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I mean, cause you watch, like you said, you watch a musical now that kind of is in that same vein and it's almost like they stop the, stop the movie or stop the story to have this musical number, this dance routine, but this, it's just, it's just flowing in. Like, it's just, it's just part of it. And that starts off, you know, perfectly with the first scene. But before we get to the first scene, uh, something, I, I don't know in 1961, how this was received. So if you go to see a Broadway musical, Broadway, off Broadway, a high school musical, anything like that, uh, it's probably going to start with the orchestra doing like an overture, right? Like a medley of all of the songs from the show, the curtains down. And that's kind of what this starts with. It's like five minutes of the overture. Uh, it's just a red screen with like these lines going on there. You don't know what's happening with these lines. It kind of looks like they're starting to spell something out, but no, uh, it's just going through and they turn out to be like lights, I guess, kind of on Manhattan. It looks a little cheesy now. Like I said, I don't know how it was received in 1961, but it's kind of, it's kind of endearing that they were trying something so (laughs) interesting, I guess, for the opening title card. Yeah. At first, uh, the first time I saw this, I thought something was wrong with the TV, um, I mean, I saw this a long, long time ago, right? But I I thought it was weird because there was nothing really happening on the screen itself. Like the lights, the lines weren't moving or anything. It was just this sound uh, Mm -hmm. of the orchestra. Um, And so I I don't know if they were, it's going to be interesting because they are remaking this. uh, And by they, I mean, the amazing Steven Spielberg is going to take a stab at this classic Man, I hope he doesn't mess it up. So um, all of our all of our well wishes are with him. So I'm wondering if he's going to do something similar when he doesn't the opening, because the orchestra uh, overture is really important to kind of set the stage anyway. There's Mm -hmm. so much musically about it. I mean, I'm not uh, a musical guru by any chance, but by any stretch. But I think that it's really important to have that. I just don't know how they're going to infuse that into the film or if they're going to do something similar because i do yeah. think now it could be a little lost yeah on audiences that's... because you're just watching one screen th- right and I... nothing's really happening I think that was probably a creative decision by Jerome Robbins. Like I said, he was kind of the choreographer and came from more of the musical background because this thing feels like a musical, right? You have this overture later in the film, you have an intermission. Uh, so, so yeah, so it's kind of like you're watching a musical slash movie kind of at the same time. I don't know. It's hard to say, but then as the, the film opens up, it's amazing. It's especially amazing in 1961. They probably had to do it from, from an airplane, I'm assuming, but you have all of this direct top down, uh, footage going over New York City. Uh, it looks incredible, um, yeah. especially, you know, even for 1961, kind of the the height and the scope that they give it. Um, really impressive that they were, you know, able to do that, you know, with the technology of the time. But as it zooms into New York City, we get introduced to the first gang. It's the Jets. They're leaned up against a uh, you know, a fence just hanging out, doing some snaps. They're getting ready because they're about to have a turf war with the other gang, the Sharks. They are running around in the same area. I really love the the Jets. Like I said, they're doing like the snapping thing. And then they kind of are walking, uh, you know, towards the camera very angrily because some Sharks are coming through their territory. But they're like, <laughs> there's a little girl like on the ground, like doing like a chalk drawing. And like the gang just like walks around where she's drawing on there, like super mm-hmm. respectful. And uh, nice, but yeah, pretty great. I like the, uh, I like this opening scene, this opening, uh, number and the fight choreography. Yeah, no, it's really, it, they're dancing, but they're fighting. And so it's just so beautifully done. And the way in which they all kind of tangle with each other, um, 
while they're running around and they're all over, like there's basketball courts and there are these, there's this area that's kind of a playground, but there's not really any playground. Yeah. It's like some basketball courts and things. There. Right. Right. Um, it's really cool, but they, 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 it starts to get a little heated. Um, but you can definitely tell they don't like each other. They don't look the same. They're not dressed the same. Um, but you don't really know exactly why they don't like each other yet. Um, but the cops turn up uh, and this lieutenant who is kind of the, I don't know, he looks kind of like this old washed up, uh, like very only like Maltese Falcon-ish where he's mm-hmm. he's got like this white shirt and a, and a long skinny tie and his, sh- his jacket's kind of propped up over his shoulder and he's like, come on boys, what's going on? And no one says anything, right? Where they could have ratted on each other and they totally don't because as much as they don't like each other, they want to be able to handle this turf war themselves rather yeah. than actually mitigate, you know, have any real like justice if something was really wrong, right? Yeah, that's that's right. They're not rats. Yeah, I think one of the one of the Jets kids, I think, is like getting beaten up and the the police come and kind of kind of breaks it up. And yeah, this uh, police officer guy is asking, you know, who is beating them up and they don't, you know, don't uh, turn on the others Uh, because, yeah, they need to handle this turf war themselves. We're introduced to Riff, who's kind of the leader of the Jets. Now, Riff is played by uh, Russ Tamblin. Uh, he's pretty good. Uh, he's wearing like a cool yellow jacket, I believe. Um, he's there and they're having, you know, kind of into the next musical number. Uh, when you're a jet, you're a jet. And, you know, if they're going to get one up on the sharks, uh, you know, this is this news gang. They're coming in, trying to take the territory. Who do you need? You need Tony. If you're going to get one up on the sharks, you need, you need Tony back on your side. And now, as it turns out, Tony used to be a jet. But he's given that life up. He's not interested in the gang life anymore. He's trying to get out. He has himself a job. He's trying to get ahead, trying to, you know, keep his head down, do some work and get out of here. Yep. Yeah. He works at a grocery store. Right. And so there's this really great uh, scene between uh, Riff and Tony. Riff is trying to get him to come out to this dance tonight. He's like, look, I need you as backup. You used to run this, you know, gang. What? What? Why are you not interested in? hanging out with us anymore. And he's like, you know, I'm just thinking about things differently now. I got to work. I got to do this. You know, we can't be kids forever. Like, you know, and it's so funny because Tony, I think he's really tall. He's played um, really beautifully by Richard Bamer. I'm hoping that I say his last name, right. Um, Mm -hmm. Who, uh, who became a really big actor in his own right. But um, He and Riff, I really like this exchange that they have because Tony is kind of matured out of that. It seemed like a good idea at the time to hang out with all your friends and stick up for your friends. And, and, but now it's gotten, it seems to have gotten uglier and also he's, you know, Tony's growing up. So he wants Mm -hmm. to do something else with his life. Um, But, you know, Riff is one of his best friends, if not his best friend. And so Riff does uh, persuade him to go ahead and show up at the stance because they think that there's going to be a rumble, but there might not be a rumble. There's a lot of word. There's a lot of rumblings about a rumble throughout this whole film, (laughs) all two hours of it. Everyone's like, where's the rumble? Every, so, everyone, everyone um, is ready to rumble, but yeah, it's like a, it's like a community dance or something. And yeah, yeah they, th- they think that the sharks are going to be there. So he wants Tony to go to, you know, to go and help the jets, you know, be a de facto member, you know, bring some muscle. And like you said, he is super tall. Like he's way taller, obviously than, than Natalie Wood who plays Maria, but like he's taller than all of the other guys too. So Richard Bamer apparently was a, a very tall individual or at least yeah. taller than, than these other dancers and things. But so, so that's kind of the jets. So now we're going to go check in with the sharks. We're going to meet some more of them. Uh, we meet Anita and Maria. Now Anita is played by Rita Moreno who won the Academy Award and Maria is played by Natalie Wood. Uh, that's pretty great. Uh, they're getting ready. They work in like the, in the dress shop, like the seamstress uh, kind of thing, kind of shop making dresses. Uh, Maria wants a dress for to wear to the dance. She wants a red dress because you know that's that's nice. She has a white dress. Uh, Anita tells her to wear the white dress. Maria says, "I don't want to wear a white dress," but then she puts it on, and she is Natalie Wood. So of course, the white dress looks amazing on her, and she's like, oh, "Okay, yeah, I guess this white dress is fine." Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, you know who comes in? But it's the leader of the Sharks. Um, 
Bernardo. Uh, Bernardo. Yeah, yes. Bernardo, uh, who's the leader of the Sharks. Uh, also, Maria's brother. Right. Yeah, Maria's brother, Anita's boyfriend. Um, he is very uh, protective, I'm going to say. That's the word. Uh, I think mm-hmm. old-fashioned might be another word. Um you know, he's very, uh, he thinks Maria looks beautiful, but he's like, look, you know, you're going to come out. This is the first time Maria has been allowed to go out uh, to a dance. And so Maria is very excited. She's like telling everyone this is the night where her, her life is actually going to start. Um, Anita, you know, has made this beautiful dress for her. Um, it's not red. It's very virginal and white, which I think uh, R- Bernardo really likes because he doesn't want um, anybody kind of, uh, messing around with his sister. He's already asked his friend Chino to kind of walk with her and escort her and, uh, make sure that, you know, nobody bothers her. Um, and you're not sure, but there's a bit of foreshadowing that he's a little overprotective, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, she is young, she is innocent and you can tell he's obviously in charge of this gang. He's seen a lot of the world that she has not seen and she's been protected from. Um, so he knows that there's maybe some trouble. There might be a rumble happening at this dance, but she has no idea. She's just very excited to go and, and kind of be around people. And that's right. Yeah. He mostly doesn't want her to go because because he knows that the jets are going to be there and the jets are no good. And he wants to keep his sister away from the jets. And yeah, we go to the dance. The jets are there. The sharks are there. Um, it's actually, it's pretty fun. A uh, little scene there. You get some dancing. They do like the mambo, the big mambo number um, in West side story. They do that there. Um, and it's kind of as this dance is, you know, wrapping up or, you know, all of the couples are pairing off. Uh, Maria is there and who shows up, but it's Tony. And they lock eyes and, uh, you know, they, uh, they sneak in a dance. You actually get a really nice little like flute medley kind of thing of the Maria tune, uh, which we're going to sing here in a little bit. We're not going to sing. Uh, we're going to leave that to the professionals <laughs> of West Side Story. No, actually, yeah. Ma- Michaela might sing it. I'm not 100% sure. But, but yeah, they have this little dance, uh, you know, until Bernardo uh, figures that out and, you know, puts the kibosh to it. Um, so this dance, I just want to talk about it a little bit because it's this amazing, like, like they, it's a, it's, it's a dance where they're supposed to exchange partners, I think, but mm-hmm. they don't, which is interesting because in the original, like Romeo and Juliet, right? There's a dance where they're supposed to exchange partners and they don't. So I think it was a beautiful homage if that's what it was supposed to be of. It does it mm-hmm. really well, but they do this thing where they dip their knees in a certain way and then they they arch their back in a certain way and then they snap and it's beautifully done with the music and it just looks really effortless they look like they're floating and um i am not a, a huge uh fan of like musical you know star-crossed lover syndrome but i gotta tell you the chemistry between Tony and Maria is palpable. Like Mm -hmm. immediately they are very into each other. And it's not, it's not like uh, just a physical thing at all. Like they both, you both truly believe uh, you believe watching them that they both have these very deep, very fraught um, angsty, (laughs) lots of angsty feelings for each other. Mm -hmm. And, um, but they know, uh, even at the outset that this is maybe not, uh, gonna, this isn't good. Right. So he asks Tony asked Maria, he says, I, I, I'm, you've not seen me before. And she's like, no, I know I've never seen you before, but it's always, it's already got this over, uh, overtone of like, this is going to be good until it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. And of course they sneak in a kiss and Bernardo immediately like flies from the other side of the room over to like punch Tony out um, yeah. and threaten Tony and say, what are you doing looking at my sister? And then I think Bernardo like choose out Chino because Chino was sort of tasked to be a Marie's mm-hmm. date for the night. And yeah. You know, Chino doesn't look very happy that she's kissing this other guy either. Like, no <laughs> yeah, one's Chino, happy. Yeah, Chino, Chino is the uh, de facto boyfriend slash chaperone for Maria, but he doesn't do a very good job. But 
yeah, so Bernardo chases Tony out of the dance, and then you get a really cool uh, kind of transitional scene where Tony's like walking down this hallway, and the camera's kind of holding on him, and it transitions to him walking like down this alley outside. There's some cool like green lights, and like it's like casting like green down onto like this rain soaked kind of cobblestone things. And that's where he, you know, he sings the song Maria, which is, you know, probably one of the more famous numbers from West Side Story uh, that people know. Uh, so that's pretty great. And it transitions into, uh, you know, there's, there's like the three big hits of West Side Story right in a row. So you have Maria and then we're going to go after the dance um, up back onto the rooftop where all of the, all of the sharks live. Uh, they're going to do the, the song America. So you have like kind of the girls of the the sharks you know the girlfriends and uh, sisters and things and then all the guys from the sharks are doing uh, America there uh, but while they're busy doing that Maria gets home gets to the uh, you know outside and Tony finds her there and they're going to go up and have this they have this really cool exchange on the fire escape uh, it's actually really cool kind of the the way they choreographed the scene kind of moving around the fire escape. And that's when you get Maria and Tony uh, doing their duet for the musical tonight, tonight. Yep. Yep. And it's so, it's interesting because they just, they really, they really have this very great chemistry um, and it's very wholesome. I mean, she's like in this long like white nightgown thing and she's like mm-hmm. you know my parents are asleep in the next room or they're going to be asleep he kind of teases her because her father has a nickname for her and it's just really sweet like but they don't know each other that well so they're asking each other questions while they're so it's it it works really great if you're young you know when you're a little bit older i think you're looking at this and you're like oh they they there's so much they don't know uh yet about life because but they're so young it doesn't matter um yeah it's really great and the song is wonderful yeah the the song's great uh so yeah so that kind of it sets up it's like this like back to back to back like musical numbers that basically kind of outline the way that the story is going to work um and then you know like a any good musical right before intermission you get kind of you get like this ramp up thing so uh they're gonna have a war council the jets and the sharks Right. Right. Uh, they didn't. Right. They didn't have. They didn't have their rumble yet. So they need to. They need to have a war council. They need to sit down and figure out the rules of this rumble. The rumble is going to happen. It's time for it to happen. But they need to, uh, you know, get the get the guidelines set up for this thing. Uh, so they're there. They're talking about who's going to fight who, what kind of weapons they're going to use. Uh, Tony turns up and he's like, uh, I, I don't know. Do I just have just have a fist fight? That way no one gets killed, you idiots. Yeah, um, right, I like it. It's right. it's a it's a, like the the soda shop. It's like Tony's boss is there. He's like an right. older guy and he's basically calling all these kids morons. He's like, what is wrong with you kids? He's like, you're having a turf war. Get out of here. You're talking nonsense. Right. Uh, the soda shop guy. He's amazing. My favorite character. By oh, far. yeah. No, he's he's great. He's great. But they're not only are they like, we haven't rumbled. We need to rumble. But, you know, Bernardo is like, you kissed my sister like you're going down like i'm taking you and all of your people out right now no one actually thinks that you know they want to necessarily kill each other it's not like that kind of gang violence but mm-hmm. they're it, what i find is very weird and even uh the the shopkeeper says this he's like i don't understand this war council you're going to meet like civilized people and talk about the ways in which you're going to be uncivilized and like you're going to talk about the 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 rules like they're going to be rules to this gang fight like that makes no sense you guys are crazy um and tony doesn't really want to have much to do with it but uh it the fights are the fight's set up they've decided they're going to meet they're going to meet at the river they're going to meet at like midnight or you know when it's dark and mm-hmm. uh they're going to avoid the 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 cops and of course uh, someone's watching outside uh, and officer Krepke, of course, is coming in. And so they, they immediately do this whistle and they all pretend like they're all playing cards together and darts and stuff. Now, yeah. These are people that couldn't stand to be on the same street as each other. And when the po- police officer, the lieutenant comes in, he's like, huh, <laughs> what's happening yeah. here, everybody? And they're like all sitting next to each other playing hearts or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think Officer Krupke is like, man, I did such a good job getting these kids to, you know, <laughs> coexist. I should probably get a promotion. But right. uh, but yeah, so Tony and Maria, Forbidden Love, War Council, this battle is set for Under the Bridge. Michaela 
let's go have a jet juice and a shark bite because it's intermission time. Intermission. All right. So that was a very quick intermission. It's also quick in the, in the film. You're going to have to use your pause button if you really want to uh, take an intermission, but, but that's what happens. So we go to the sewing shop. Tony's supposed to beat Maria there after work. So he turns up, but Anita's still there. So that's bad news. Anita says, Tony, I don't like this guy. I don't like you dating this guy, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. So you guys do what you need to do and get out of here before your brother shows up because that'll be bad. So, Yeah. Now, Anita, this is where I, I really feel for Rita Moreno's uh, character uh, development here, right? Because Anita, she loves Bernardo. Like, she loves him. And she, uh, there's this big dance that they, where they talk about America, right? And she says, you know, America gives us a lot. I know it's not uh, what you envision when we moved from Puerto Rico, but this is what... Um, this, this is what the American dream is. And I'm here. And can't you just live this dream with me? And Bernardo is like, yes, as long as, you know, everybody else leaves us alone because they've been very, you know, they've been victims of racism. And so they're like, we can't mm-hmm. get ahead. This is really hard. We have to work a lot harder than we thought we were going to have to. And it's not right. And it's not fair. And I'm tired of being treated like dirt. So she really loves Bernardo. She also really loves his sister, Maria. And Maria obviously is just completely smitten with Tony. So she sees that and Tony is doing his best, right? He's trying to be respectful. He's trying to speak her language. He's trying to uh, say hello and prove that he is not like the others, right? The other mm-hmm. um, uh, jets. And uh, so Anita, you know, is put in a really tough position here. And it's not the first, it will not be the last time that she is put in a really tough position, but she yeah. goes ahead and tells Maria, you know what, if you guys just keep me out of it, I'm going to leave. You better be home in 15 minutes though. You can't spend all night with this guy, right? Because your brother mm-hmm. will kill both of us. So, um, so she leaves. And then, uh, then, then what happens is my favorite scene. Is it any wonder? Yeah. It's, it's also my favorite scene. So they're there, Tony and Maria are, you know, talking and they're talking about, uh, how's that going to work meeting each other's parents. And there are these mannequins there because they're at the, at the sewing shop and they're moving them around and kind of like dressing up the mannequins and basically playing out how their wedding would play out. And it's really cool. I like the way that it's uh, kind of choreographed and scened. Um, you know, it's, it's a real like intimate moment with them where they're not just singing, you know, and kind of dancing around this thing. Right. So, uh, yeah. So this is one of my favorite scenes of the movie too. Uh, that could be a first for drink the movies, Michaela. Yeah. Cause usually we, we, we don't, we don't jive on the same thing, but yeah, no, definitely when they are kind of dressing the mannequins up and she's talking to one of them, like it's Anita and she's like, Oh, this isn't your color, but you're going to wear it to my wedding anyway. And then they have this really intimate moment where they like pretend to get married and, um, they, it's just really pretty. It's really beautifully done. And again, it's very wholesome. Like they're not, um, they're just young and they're really in love and they play so well off of each other. It's still, it's funny and heartwarming at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, it's probably taken longer than 15 minutes for her to get home. (laughs) I will say, um, because they had to like, put all the mannequins back afterwards, I guess they had to, they had to clean up for sure. But yeah, so they have this kind of scene and basically Maria's like, you need to stop this fight, Tony. I believe in you, Tony, you can do it. Uh, you know, she thinks you ever, everyone will listen to Tony. So Tony says, okay, I'll go, I'll go and stop the fight. So, so he leaves, he leaves Maria. He goes to underneath this bridge or whatever, where they're having this fight. Um, and he gets there right as the fight's getting ready to start. Now, Bernardo thinks that he gets to fight Tony, which he's gearing up for because uh, Tony, you know, was kissing his sister, doesn't like that. So they're going to fight. But no, that's not really how it works. So Bernardo and Riff are going to fight. Um, and now the terms of this fight have changed. They each pull knives. Uh, it goes from bad to worse because Tony tries to step in. Uh, he picks up the knife. And what happens? accidentally kills Bernardo. Not a good look for Tony. Not a good look for the Jets. Not a good look for anyone, really. So so tragedy. Tragedy is about to unfold. So Bernardo gets stabbed, and then Riff gets stabbed. Well, no, Riff gets stabbed first. Oh, yeah. 
Yes. So Bernardo and Riff are kind of going at it with the knives. Uh, Riff loses his knife. He can't find it. He's kind of propped up against this chain link fence. Bernardo is kind of taunting him with it. And then uh, Tony rushes in, tries to help uh, Riff get his knife back. And in the kerfuffle, uh, Bernardo stabs Riff. And so Riff falls to the ground. Tony is there. It's his best friend. He sees him on the ground. He gets really upset. He still has the knife that he was trying to give back to Riff so Riff could defend himself. And then Riff, uh, Tony and Bernardo kind of scuffle and Tony ends up killing Bernardo. And then he realizes that his life is over. When you kill someone, your, your life is over. It's never a good thing. This was this was not supposed to go this way. He was supposed to stop the fight. And now his best friend and Maria's brother are dead. And so everyone starts running uh, out of this uh, kind of chained fence area underneath this mm. bridge. Um, the only one who sticks around is uh, actually the the only female kind of gang member for the Jets. Um, mm -hmm. She keeps telling, she keeps screaming for Tony to get up and to start moving. And Tony, like, he's he's just so overcome with what he's done because he didn't really mean to kill Bernardo. And he's pretty sure that Bernardo actually didn't mean to kill Riff either. Um, mm -hmm. This was just a whole big mistake. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is, it is irrevocably changed, right? Nothing is going to ever be okay again. You just feel really bad for Tony. And That's right, yeah. The cops yeah, any, are coming. Cops are coming. Anytime you have a rumble and you're in gangs, uh, nothing good is probably going to happen. Uh, and nothing good did happen. So we're going to go flash over to Maria. She's on the rooftop waiting for Tony to show up. But uh, Tony uh, just killed her brother, uh, obviously. So he doesn't show up. But Chino shows up and he tells Maria that, you know, her boyfriend, Tony, uh, he just killed your brother, Bernardo. Uh, and that's not great. So she's upset, obviously. Chino's upset, obviously. Uh, the Jets are upset, obviously. So they get, we do the song. Uh, it's get cool. It's actually, it's, it's pretty cool uh, song. So the Jets are like gathering after all this stuff went down. It's in like a parking garage kind of a thing, I guess. And they turn on all the headlights for these cars that are in there. It looks really awesome. Yeah. So, so they're in there, you know. They're all upset, but I guess now the new kind of de facto leader of the Jets, I'm not 100% sure on what his name is, but basically he's like, uh, we need to lay low, calm down. We can't go into like a war with these guys because then we're all going to end up like, uh, you know, Bernardo and Riff. We don't all want to be dead. So just be cool. So, so yeah, mm -hmm. so, you know, nothing, nothing good's happened. And, you know, Tony's on the lamb. He's trying to lay low because uh, Chino is out there. He's on the hunt for a Tony wants to kill him, get some retribution. And, you know, he's hiding out. He is at the soda shop in the basement hiding out and the jets are there. And Anita comes to try to find Tony because she wants to talk to him to deliver a message from Maria. Yeah. So Maria's home. She's doesn't believe Chino, right. When he tells her that Tony kills has killed her brother. She's like, he would never do that. You don't know him. I don't know what, you know, he's the most gentle person. And, you know, then there's this really neat uh, cinemagraphic scene, right? Where Chino kind of rushes off and leaves and she's on the roof and she hears yelling and you can see her looking down the spiral staircase and mm -hmm. they all start screaming. Yeah, you know, Bernardo's Martho, which means he's dead. And so she's like, no, it can't be true. And she's really upset. Well, then the cops show up um, to talk to her and she is wanting to, you know, go see Tony at this at the shop right because she knows that that's where he's going to be and she really wants Anita once again mm -hmm. putting her in a really tough position because Anita's boyfriend is now dead and this man just killed her boyfriend right but yeah she again she says she says I will go and deliver this message and I uh I'll let him know that you'll be there as soon as you can right um but I feel like in between all of this, Maria and Tony do get a chance to kind of clear the air between the two of them, right? Because Tony gets to tell her that he did kill Bernardo and that he's really sorry and he didn't mean it and he tries to explain it and she forgives him. Yeah, so Anita, Anita shows up at this soda shop thing, right, to deliver this message because, you know, Maria's basically, I guess, 
kind of accepted that he killed her brother. It was an accident. Um, you know, so she's more or less forgiven him. And I think Anita's going cause you know, she wants to tell Tony that, you know, they can, they can meet and get out of town. They're going to leave town yep. him and Maria. So, so she's going to deliver this message. So she goes to the soda shop. The jets are there. Uh, they're all the absolute worst. They all try to assault Anita. It's really terrible and really icky. Uh, thankfully, uh, Doc, the soda shop owner, is there, and he again is like, "What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> you people <laughs> are, the abs- are the absolute worst." And he is still the still correct. But so Anita finally does get to talk to um, Tony, I think. Or well, no, because Tony's Tony's not there while the Jets are being horrible to her. So she, they find they like they grab her, throw her on the ground. I mean, you think she's going to get like physically assaulted? You think it's going to be like the last twenty minutes of Saturday Night Fever? But it's not uh, yeah. because your favorite character finally is comes out from the basement and is like, "What are you guys doing?" And they're yeah. like, "Oh yeah, okay, uh, I guess we won't do that." So they le- let her leave, but she's so mad now. She's like, "Bernardo was right. You know, I shouldn't have given you guys any grace." any credit at all you guys if you were bleeding on the street i would spit on you as you walk by because they've just Mm -hmm. been absolutely horrible to her right there was no no reason for it and so she in her anger she turns around and she says you know i was coming here to deliver a message you tell tony that chino got so mad because tony shot or tony stabbed bernardo that and he found out that Maria and him were in love and together and going to run away that Chino shot Maria. And so Maria mm-hmm. is dead. And so, of course, then she rushes out. It's not true. Maria is not dead. Chino has not shot anybody, but Chino's looking for Tony. And so, of course, they tell Tony when he gets back to the soda shop. And so he is completely broken at that point because yeah. he thinks that the love of his life is dead and his plans for you know, getting out of town and making a new life and finding a place together and a time for them together has come to an end. And so he's basically running through the streets, screaming for Chino to come find him because Mm -hmm. he's ready to die himself. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's right. He's uh, screaming for Chino to, to come find him and he uh, does find Chino, but before, or I guess Chino finds him rather. um, But before that happens, uh, he runs into Maria and finds out that, Maria's not dead after all, but you know, about the time they're reunited, Chino turns up with the gun, uh, fires it. You don't know at first, uh, which one of them, uh, he shoots, but he shoots Tony. Tony is dead. Now Maria is there. So now her brother is dead. Her love is dead. Uh, yeah, this other gang leader is dead. Uh, Chino's there. He just, he just shot this guy. Um, so Maria grabs the gun. Um, and you don't know what she's going to do, but um, you know, she's, she's not able to bring herself, I guess, to, to uh, fire it upon Chino or, you know, uh, even worse, you know, take her own life. So, uh, yeah, that's just kind of how it ends. So it's like this, um, Romeo and Juliet kind of a tale, right. Where you have these, you know, forbidden love kind of things and these dueling families, um, that can only end in tragedy. And that's how this one ends uh, full of tragedy, Michaela. Full of tragedy. I got to say, you know, I used to love this star-crossed lover stuff. I mean, my favorite play for like five years from like first grade to fifth grade was Romeo and Juliet. I couldn't get enough of this when I was younger. Now that I'm a little bit older, I'm just filled with super (laughs) sadness, like just lamenting all the choices that led up to these, to this, Mm -hmm. these events. Right. Cause there's so many ways in which this story could have been changed where they could have ended up together. Right. They could have run away. They could have had a conversation. They could have just not shown up at, to the rumble. Right. They could, they could have done a lot of different things. And it's really sad that the only person that exhibits any sort of sense at the end of this is Maria, who refuses to kill Chino, even though he has basically helped ruin her life. And mm-hmm. I feel bad for Chino, too, because his life is basically over. I mean, he is <clears throat> a Puerto Rican in uh, the west side of New York, right? So there, there, there's no hope for him. He's not. He's probably not going to get a decent lawyer. I mean, all of this systemic racism was very much back in, there back in the day as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just there's no there's no explaining your way out of something like this, and there's no amount of um, there's just nothing good that comes out of it. So, 
Maria's life is is just ruined. You feel so bad for her. And it mm-hmm. really is just all due to um, people's hate and distrust for each other. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely preventable uh, sorts of things. But yeah, that's how it ends. Like you said, in, in these uh, Romeo and Juliet type tales, they almost always end in tragedy. And this one is no different. Um, and as the film comes to an end, it's going to kind of pan over to this brick wall. And that's going to be where they put the credits. They're kind of like painted onto this brick wall. Uh, brick walls are a big theme of this film. Uh, almost every kind of you know, surface that they're ever standing in front of is a brick wall. Um, and it's in like this early, you know, it's 1961. So it's like this technicolor color where all of the colors are just they're They like border on just being a little too vibrant. And then your surfaces, like the rough areas, like this brick, it's, it's like very visceral feeling. It looks absolutely beautiful. I love, love the way that this, uh, this film looks. Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely, um, the color scheme is amazing. It, it's, it really is very special. Um, I do think it's interesting because they put Maria in a white dress, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was all part of the plan, uh, but um, I think if she had been in a red dress, it would have been so vibrant um, mm-hmm. against like the olive tone of her skin. She would have looked great, except in maybe the close-ups, it would have kind of, been kind of shiny does that make sense because there's a couple of scenes where they're dancing and the reds and the oranges kind of shine a little different and i i thought it was maybe something was wrong with the tv or something the first couple of Mm -hmm. times i saw it and i didn't realize that it was because it was in that technicolor yeah um, well when when she's wearing the white dress she does like that spin and the whole screen turns to red and that's the transition yeah. into the dance which is pretty cool i mean obviously she was wearing the white dress because it's supposed to look like virginal and innocent yes, um and things and things obviously but she is wearing a red sash uh, which is very very lovely indeed so um so yeah so uh admittedly myself west side story is not my favorite musical um, it's, it's not my favorite, like soundtrack to a musical, um, which could be considered sacrilege to some, but, you know, complete honesty to others. Uh, but this movie, I, it won 10 Academy Awards. I, it's stunning to look at kind of the, the techniques. I talked a little bit about like that top down, like aerial stuff, and they do a lot of aerial shots. Like you'll see like members of the gang, like running through the streets where they're had to have been filming them, like on top of these, you know, uh, you know, mid-sized skyscrapers and things. It, it looks really great. Michaela, but uh, take us back to 1961. So this was, you know, 20 years before you were born. So when did you first watch West Side Story, (laughs) Michaela? So I remember learning about West Side Story in Mrs. Yakima's uh, second grade uh, music class. Uh, Mrs. Yakima, if you're still listening, I loved that you showed me the soundtrack to this. Um, It was Obviously, I was very into Romeo and Juliet, and she was like, I got just the thing for you, babe. Um, And so I remember hearing like Maria and hearing the songs in music class. And Mm -hmm. then uh, I begged my dad uh, to let me watch West Side Story. So I do remember watching it at a very young age. It's a very long film for kids, though. And Mm -hmm. it's uh, so I don't think I watched it in its completeness i think i watched a couple of scenes here and there but i don't think i watched it in its completeness until i was probably in high school yeah Um, it's about it's about two and a half hours so yeah it is is pretty lengthy yeah um definitely it's not that it's not necessarily for kids because it's not super violent i mean it's violent but it's not um gory there's not a lot of blood um and like I said, the, the, the love part is very wholesome and pure. So there's not, um, there's other than the problematic scene, which I had forgotten really existed uh, until I watched mm-hmm. it for the purpose of this pod with, uh, with Anita. Um, and, and I wonder if, if I watched for like a TV version of that, cause I was pretty shocked that, that mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. carried that as far as it did. Cause they, they don't like rip her clothes or anything, but she ends up on the floor with a bunch of guys like all around her. It's, it's not good. Yeah, <laughs> it it, 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 it's it, not good. It's, it starts off as, uh, you know, you're like, I don't like the way that this is heading to This is starting to get uncomfortable to watch and you don't know like when it's going to end. And it really only ends because the uh the soda shop guy you know finally comes upstairs and is like what are you guys doing what is wrong with you what is wrong with y'all um yeah yeah so i don't know i but it's not it is not um my 
favorite uh, musical of all time either. So I haven't seen it uh, a, a lot. I kind of grew out of my star-crossed lover syndrome, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in my teenage years. Um, I much prefer uh, star-crossed lovers who figure out a way to make it work anyway. That's my favorite. Uh, my <laughs> yeah, favorite is go. not when they all die or yeah. one of them ends up completely with their life ruined and the other one's dead. Like those are not my favorite. <laughs> Mika- Michaela's, Michaela's favorite love stories are ones void of conflict and sadness, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. basically. Um, yes. As for, so for me, um, I, I would have gotten like introduced to the music from West Side Story. I actually listened to a lot of musical soundtracks um, growing up, like as a young youngster. Um, so I probably had listened to it then. I think that I watched this film the first time, uh, like in high school, I think. And yeah, it was probably like a TV edit. So it probably wasn't two and a half hours. It was probably, you know, closer to two hours. So it's hard to say, you know, what exactly they they might have uh, cut from it. But uh, yeah, watching it again just this past weekend to, you know, get ready for the podcast. Um, like I said, this is not my favorite musical. It's not my favorite music to it. But the film is so staggeringly uh, beautiful. The choreography is amazing. Like it, yeah. it, it borders on being sloppy, which I think adds to the realism of it, where especially you have like, like in the, like in the opening scene where you have the, the two gangs and they're all doing the same moves, but they're all just slightly, slightly off from each other, which I think adds to a level of the realism um, of it, you know, being this thing that they're actually doing. They're actually fighting through this choreography, um, yeah. uh, which I think is really cool. Yeah, for sure. And also it's much more realistically, I I don't know how to say this. So when you're watching a play and you're watching a a musical on stage, there are slight variations because Mm -hmm. they're, they're human. Right. So it's, it's nice that it's not super cookie cuttery. And in some of the later musicals, because of technology or special effects or lighting, you know, they're able to hide a lot of those quote unquote flaws. It just seems so much more authentic maybe in this setting. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I I think the opening sequence where the sharks versus the jets kind of fight, it's one of the most amazing pieces of um, choreography in cinema period. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just amazing. Yeah. And I really love in the opening um, kind of fight sequence there's no there's no dialogue so there's no dialogue yes. for almost like the first like 15 ish minutes of the movie if you count the if you count like that five minute like overture thing at the beginning uh, but yeah. they're they're kind of telling the story and who these people are through like graffiti on the on the walls and on the street and things so you'll see like you know one gang like comes to a stop and it's right over top of where it says jets like spray painted onto like the sidewalk and stuff like that um mm-hmm. which is really cool a really clever way to uh tell the story without adding in any dialogue because there's not really any music or i'm sorry any lyrics to that you know right. kind of opening number it's it's all just choreography in the orchestra so yeah yeah so it's all in all i think final thoughts it's, it's probably not my favorite story of all time. Um, mm-hmm. I understand why it's so many people's favorite musical because of the, of the look and feel of it is just impeccable and it's really beautifully shot. Um, it's definitely worth someone's time, right? It's, if you're going to, if you're into musicals, if you are into uh, film, cinematography in general, I mean, it's, it's definitely worth your time. Um, so I am really excited to see kind of what this 2021 version, uh, well, we think it's going to be released this year, right? Steven Spielberg's version. Yeah, it's scheduled to be released, I think, the first week in December. So we'll have to keep an eye on that and see how it does. It'll be interesting to see how Steven Spielberg can uh, handle this. You know, most of his work is pretty large and uh, kind of epic in scope. So it'll be interesting to see you know, something a little bit more intimate. So, uh, but yeah, it'll definitely look great, you know, whatever it comes up being. So let us know if you're looking forward to the new version of West Side Story, or if you like this uh, 1961 version or where it ranks in your, uh, you know, the annals of musical uh, history, uh, let us know that. And if you make one of the, you know, the jet juice or the shark, uh, what is it? The shark attack 
what's it called? Yeah, the shark, shark bite. bite. If you make a jet juice or a shark bite, or if you make our drink from the lobby bar uh, this week, the Turf War, uh, let us know. Send us pictures. Uh, let us know how you like those drinks. And let us know what you think about the film. And you can do that on our Instagram and Twitter. It's at Drink the Movies and on Facebook.com slash Drink the Movies. For the recipes and pictures of ours, episode recaps, all that good stuff, you can go over to our website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com and check those out. And Michaela, if you're a jet, you're always a jet and you should always be listening to Drink the Movies. And the best way to always listen to Drink the Movies is by how? To subscribe. And to you subscribe. can do that. You want to you want to do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, anywhere where Anchor Podcasts are distributed. We are there. You can find us. If you like what you hear and you want to hear it more than once a week, you do because we drop twice a week, ladies and gentlemen. So go ahead and hit the subscribe button if you um, if you like what you're hearing and you want to give us some love. We would appreciate and adore a five star review. Uh, that really helps us get the drink the movie stuff out there. We're building a great community of people that both love uh, cocktails and love all things movie. Come join us, join, be, be a part of the community. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So please do that. We definitely appreciate that. And for now, Michaela, we are three quarters of the way through musical month. We have one more no. musical to, we have one more musical left to go. Um, it's coming up on Thanksgiving Day here in America. This is a Thanksgiving classic we're going to be uh, talking about. Um, but before we get into that, before we get to turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy, green bean casseroles, all of those things, I need at least three or four more uh, jet juices and, you know, like 10 more, uh, you know, turf wars because yeah. that one was amazing. Yeah. Well, luckily I, I got a bunch of watermelon juice left over. So uh, I'm making some jet juice right now. So we can, we can do that for sure. All right. Well, we're going to go have those watch the movie for next week. And we will be back to talk to everyone next time on drink, drink the, movies. the movies. A time for us.